Hey guys, this is Mike Mahaffey, the old bastard BJJ guy, here for BJJ Mental Models. Back in my day, we had to walk uphill in the snow both ways to get to the academy just to learn some crappy technique from a random purple belt. You kids have it so easy, because now you can just subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium and get tons of great audio courses to learn new techniques, enhance your mindset, and entertain yourself. You can even get personalized rolling reviews from some of your favorite BJJ Mental Models coaches, including me. It's like having your own seminar, you spoiled little whippersnappers. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to BJJ Mental Models Premium right now, get off my lawn, and go train. Hey, welcome to BJJ Mental Models, episode 151. I'm Steve Kwan. BJJ Mental Models is your guide to a conceptual and intelligent jiu-jitsu approach. And today, happy to be joined by Mr. Maliki Friedman. Maliki, how are you doing? Good, man. How are you doing? I'm doing all right. I was just mentioning at the beginning that my daughter's sick, and that's always a lot of fun when you got a four-year-old running around the house who's sick. But other than that, it's, uh, you know, what's funny is when, when the pandemic started, my daughter, we pulled her out of preschool and she was out for quite a while. Everyone in the, in the family has had their shots, ex- uh, except for her because she's too young. So she's back in preschool now. And for like a year and a half, I didn't get sick at all. And it was glorious for like no, no cold, no nothing. My daughter's been back in preschool for a month and a half. That's the only thing I've changed in my routine. Right. And in that time period, I've got like two or three colds. It's freaking ridiculous. It's kids are just like germ factories. It is insane. Yeah. Do they just roll them on the floor and then send them home with you? <laughs> yeah. Well, man, <laughs> that aside though, it's, it's pretty good here. And I am definitely happy to have you on. And one of the things that you'd mentioned you wanted to talk about and somehow a topic that we have never discussed in 151 episodes of this crap is guard passing. You mentioned that you've got a really thought out guard passing strategy and some concepts to share. Yeah. And I actually don't know how we managed to get this far into the podcast without talking about guard passing, but today as good a time as any. So Maliki, before we launch into that, maybe I should give you the floor and you can just quickly introduce yourself, tell everyone who you are, what you do. Sure. My name is Maliki Friedman. I live in Charleston, South Carolina. I own an academy, Black Label Martial Arts. I have DVDs out. So I have, they're on BGA Fanatics, Budo Videos. I have some with Jiu-Jitsu. I'm constantly putting out just like small tidbits of content on my Instagram at Maliki Friedman. And I'm married and I have a kid. <laughs> so those, those, are the, those are the big things in my life. The big things in your life. I, hey, I, how old is your kid if I can ask? My child is old. <laughs> oh. So 24. Oh, wow. But do they train? That's where I'm going with this. She does train. She's So for a while, she kind of protested. Like she did it a little bit when she was in middle school and high school. And then she, her knees weren't so strong. She's got something funky with her knees. Her knee pops mm-hmm. out of place like in weird situations. But she played a lot of soccer. So we, we kind of were dedicated to that. And then now she's back. She's living – like we moved from Florida to, to Charles back to Charleston where I'm from and she's been pretty consistent in training. That's awesome. That's awesome, man. Well, yeah, my daughter's uh, still a, a bit young, but we have gotten her into it. And I mean, at this point, she thinks it's just like a gymnastics type game. But I right. am I am very excited to have a child who has started training at like four. 
I started training when I was, I think, around 25. So I, I'm hoping that she will turn into a child prodigy ninja, but I guess we will see. You got to check out my prodigy process. So I've had, I forgot to mention that I have a DVD with Gameness and they have like a, a grappling buddy. And so I use the, the grappling buddies all the time. And especially during the pandemic, I used the grappling buddies because I was trying to keep my members, trying to keep, mm-hmm. you know, like them coming and, and still keep income. And I used the grappling buddy and I basically just put together a system of different techniques that every other day they would come through. And they learned actually better off of watching the TV than they learn when they're like right next to another kid. You know, like when they're next to another kid, they're not paying attention. They're looking over yeah. at their mom or whatever's going on. So, like, we kind of made it a DVD where I'm teaching to the parents as well as the kid. And so, the kid can do it by themselves or there can be a parent in the room and I'm explaining each position and why I'm doing this on the dummy. We call it prodigy process and it's on gameness. So, it's- That's awesome. I expect it to be pretty big at some point because, like, I've gotten my kids so good at jujitsu using just the buddy system and using my- We call it the prodigy process system, but just using- some very, very simple ways of, of teaching dominant positions, how to do takedowns, how to understand sit outs and stuff like that. Just basics, but they, they really do well. So I have like six year olds in my eight to 13 class because they get so much better so fast. Man, that's, that's awesome. I'm going to have to check that out. Yeah. It's, it's, it's perfect. Prodigy for- process with Maliki Friedman yep. on gameness. Got it. Got it. Got it. Okay. Cool. Well, with that said, introductions aside, I'd love to give you the floor here and tell me about guard passing. Open mic. Yeah. So I will let you kick this off. Sure. So basically I get a lot of questions. So I, I have guys that are good guard players, you know, and everybody who pretty much enters jujitsu with jujitsu being their first martial art. So if jujitsu is your first martial art, it can kind of make us like lazy. And so we, we choose the, the thing that takes the less the least amount of effort. So pulling guard, playing guard, submitting. So like all, you get all the amazing benefits right away from playing guard in your, as a white belt. So you get to triangle somebody for your first time, Kimura somebody for your first time, scissor sweep somebody for your first time, Kimura sweep. You have all these things that these like quick benefits you get out of playing guard. And then they kind of end up developing, you know, from white belt. They don't really switch they they start playing Delahiva, they start playing you know they start playing spider guard they start in going into other guards which are making very good guard players and then you you see guys kind of at purple everybody's pulling guard because that's where they need to be and i have students ask me it's like well you know at purple usually at purple i, I give them the speech you know like hey what do i need to, to focus on and I have a student that, that left me for a year because he's got to do something in the military or it's going to be near a school. I'm like, guard passing, you know, like, so everybody's like, after you sweep, like, unless you're in the, the meows where they're always sweeping and looking for the back, sweeping and looking for the back. We know that story in Jiu-Jitsu. You know, it's like Baron Bolo back, Baron Bolo back. Can we get the Baron Bolo? No, then we'll just restart and try to get the back again. And nobody's really taking top position because everybody's scared to be the person on top passing and being able to feel really comfortable in guard passing, being able to feel that you have good balance, good structure, you understand what's being thrown at you and you can kind of weather the storm of a, of a, an aggressive guard player kind of will, will make you, will give you that toughness that you're going to need 
if you're ever looking to compete in jiu-jitsu. So if you're looking to compete in jiu-jitsu, you have to, at some point, be a, a bastard, you know? And I think that's why there's so many memes about, like, you know, blue belt enforcer or purple belt enforcer. And then, like, there's a bigger worm that comes up. It says D1 wrestler. Yeah. <laughs> right? I know exactly what you're talking about. Yeah, it is. This is one of the things that I think is uh, kind of a little bit morale collapsing when it comes to jujitsu, right. which is, like you said, you get this... uh Almost like a high when you start jujitsu because you discover the guard and it's just so cool that you can actually fight from there in such an efficient way. But then at some point, you're going to run into someone who is equally or greater in terms of their competence on top. And then suddenly it's really demoralizing because, yeah, some guy with or girl with possibly no jujitsu experience, but maybe experience in another grappling art, they can come in and they can just pin you and control you from the top. And it is a a little bit of a demoralizing process that everyone goes through once. Yeah. And the the biggest part of that is that, you know, of course, like good wrestlers learn how to to have very good base, but they're not worried about protecting their arms or protecting this. Man, they're just dogs. So I watched these guys just exhaust somebody you know, and like you can try to sweep them. If you sweep them, guess what? They immediately pancake out back on top, you know, they're, and then they're back on top of you aggressively. And I teach MMA and I kind of teach the same kind of idea is when you watch fighters that, that fight Khabib Nurmagomedov and how they start to wilt in the first round just from defending takedowns and just from the pressure that Khabib puts on them, right? He's not putting pressure with striking. He's not putting pressure you know, like with almost getting KO'd. He's putting pressure with just constantly being in your face, making you have to almost defend the takedown or, or at any point defend the takedown or you're taken down and you have to get back up. That is hard work. And you take that model, you take that idea and you say, all right, well, against a good guard player, how do you how do you beat a good guard player? Well, you have to be a dog. You know, you have to be somebody that's going to immediately strip you know, you, you have to strip grips. You have to be a dog. You have to be, you know, as soon as you remove a layer of their defense, you have to be all in. You can't, you can't just like backstep. As soon as you backstep, you're back inside the spider or whatever you are. So as soon as you defeat a layer of their defense, you be all, you have to be all in and you have to chain and drive in. You got to get face to face. And basically it's like a, a killer chasing down prey, you know, yeah. because. When you see somebody pass the guard and they get to the side control and the other person is just bucking and moving and twisting violently to, to not allow those that three points to happen, you know, it's it takes somebody a whole lot of effort and a whole lot of like intensity to be able to pass somebody's guard who's very good and then hold them down and demoralize them till they accept the position that they're in. Yeah, yeah. It's it's interesting you bring this up because when when you're trying to pass the guard, there's kind of two different styles or philosophies you can use for doing that. One of them is you can do kind of like big, flowy, loopy movements. Right. And then the other is you can do like hardcore in your face pressure passing where you basically take away as much space as possible and try to just make your opponent miserable. And my belief, I mean, this may be a controversial statement, but my belief is that pressure passing is almost always the better strategy to get in your face. I'm not going to say 
that the big loopy flowy stuff doesn't work. Right. I mean, definitely people have won world championships doing these like big movements and, um, you know, kind of like keeping at a distance. It is possible. I've got a buddy who um, he won worlds and he had a Kyokushin karate background mm-hmm. and he was able to actually apply that to jujitsu. And he, he has a very weird style where he'll do these like big elaborate movements to pass the guard that are completely unconventional. Right. But and for him, it works. But for the majority of people, and I think that the better strategy is to get in close, grind, take away space, take away movement. If nothing else, it's a hundred times more efficient. And something the mind instructor once said is that, you know, when people start off in jujitsu, when they're younger, they might do a lot of like distance guard passing and big explosive movements or hip switches or stuff like that. But when you get older, almost everyone evolves their game into pressure passing. First of all, because you have less athletic advantages that you can rely on when you're older, but also because it's just way, way more efficient, right? I mean, if, if you can just get in there close, be like you said, dogfight, just take away space, make the person miserable. I mean, if I can pass your guard while barely moving or exerting any energy, I would prefer to do that (laughs) versus trying to backflip over your guard and risk injury, leave openings, burn calories that I don't want to burn. Right. Like at the end of the day, the goal should be to do things in the most efficient way possible. And so I almost always for most people. Unless you're like a world class expert at crazy, crazy, loopy flying stuff. For right. most people, I tell them, like, if you want to pass the guard, consider a pressure pass game first and foremost. I think that that's where it really kind of always settles. So I love big, long passes and, and things that look beautiful and long steps that are, that are big. But the real thing is so why you have to be a dog is because against somebody who's very good, that first movement, that first large movement or that first big kick out and or like where you undo the the lasso and it's a big kick right at that moment you've undone a layer of the defense you're not done yeah. you know what i'm saying you've gotten you've gotten past the knee you've gotten your hand free of what you know the arm that they're controlling and now you have to start d- digging in and really get dirty because now it's pressure passing time so yeah. like you, you have to chain those flowy things because like against like white belts and blue belts and purple belts, sometimes, you know, like, yeah, man, I can just tap dance, you know, and like you could do, you know, funny movements back and forth and kind of trick them. But as soon as against a good guy, as soon as, as soon as I see a hole, I have to fill that hole. And no matter what I'm getting in, you know, like, and I like to say like, they should be feeling like they're being eaten by a lion. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, and I don't have the beard for, you know, I have the beard for a couple of reasons, but I have a beard. And I always say, like, if I'm passing your guard on a knee slide pass, my face is going to be so far smashed against your face <laughs> that there's, that you're going to actually feel like you're being eaten by a lion. Yeah. You know, like, because this is going to be super uncomfortable. You know, and I call that kind of stuff, like, so, like, there's, like, when I'm trying to get my, my students with that mentality to chase down, keep going, keep going, like, even if they throw a hook in, don't go backwards because you, if you retreat, all that energy spent is gone. It's worthless, right? You have to restart all over again. So, like, if you've gotten to, let's say, there's a five layers of defense and you've got past two, it's like you never stop it. You're not going to stop there because if you go back, the first two layers of defense are the hardest. You know, the last layer is probably the most difficult, but the first two are are very difficult because it probably involves a lasso or it involves, you know, the strongest hook. Um, And I call it killer in the kitchen. And so I imagine, 
You know, like you know, how there's a what's in the kitchen that's the middle con that middle thing. The middle thing in the kitchen, like a a counter, an island, something like that. <laughs> yeah, there you go, a counter, an island. Yeah, so like I imagine myself like chasing somebody down like with a knife <laughs> i know this sounds crazy but like chasing myself down and, and they're like running around the island and then they're like <laughs> like like they're kicking they're kicking toasters at me you know what i mean but at some point i'm gonna get to you yeah, you know like yeah, yeah. you don't have much like you're trying to get like every movie move it's like you go one way i go the other way it's like you know the cat and mouse type game and it's like man you can't stop you've already committed you've already committed to this murder it's time to murder <laughs> you know like so it's the same thing with passing you've already committed to this pass you have to pass yeah that, that's something that's very very noticeable when you're fighting really tenacious people and again there's a there's a massive parallel here with wrestling if you've ever fought a wrestler you can feel the difference in their mindset when you're when they're trying to pass your guard with a lot of jujitsu people unless they are a very seasoned pressure passer they'll attempt to pass they'll maybe kind of get past the first layer of guard right. which is usually it's going to be your legs but if you put up enough of a fight, sometimes you could make them just give up and back up to to reset to a neutral position. Right. So you can kind of break their will just by being really, really defensive on the bottom. But against a wrestler, like, fuck, it sucks. I mean, yeah. they grab your legs and you're trying to hip escape out and back out and frame away. <laughs> and they just keep pulling you back yep. in their will to pass is just greater than your will to defend a lot of time right. and that's one of the things actually about jujitsu and, and guard passing that i you know you talked about this earlier i think sometimes we we over promote the guard aspect of jujitsu right when people come in of course with jujitsu we're going to teach and advocate for the guard because it's right. really the the unique thing we've got that you're not likely to see in detail in other combat sports so we we want people to understand the guard because it's so powerful but i think sometimes we we make people think that the guard is the only thing and they close right. their minds to other things like just getting up just trying to get up on top sometimes that's a lot right. easier than going for a, like a pendulum sweep and the problem that happens a lot of the time like you said is everyone wants to play the guard and nobody wants to be the person on top but man when you get in there with someone who is a really aggressive guard passer you can feel the difference in their mindset because yeah like you said they're like they're chasing you down they're they're right. trying to systematically dismantle your layers of guard they're trying to get through your legs then they're trying to get past your hands then they're trying to pin your shoulders to the mat and it's a very demoralizing feeling when you feel it happen to you right so being in a guard is annoying so like being in somebody who's very, very good. I would say Spider Guard is the guard I, I hate the most to be put in. Me too. And, you know, because it's basically you're a marionette. And if they're playing really, really well, then they know when they're going to use the lasso, when they're going to pummel for the, the hook, for the bicep. They're going to switch to Delahiva for a second. You know, and, and how I learned the pass was basically for a long time was like – so in the beginning, I wouldn't pass the guard at all. I would let the, my opponent make whatever grips they wanted to make, and I wouldn't pass. The biggest thing I would do would be kill all sweeps and try to kill all the controls that they have on me. So if it was a spider guard, I'm trying to get out of the spider, the, excuse me, the lasso, I'm starting to get out of the lasso. If it's, you know, like a Baron Bulbo guy, I'm trying to kill that Delahibo hook, and I'm not passing. So I'm just getting a good understanding of base and what my opponent needs and taking it away constantly. And then, you know, I kind of like started saying, okay, well, I can survive in these guys' guards that are, you know, really high-level black belts 
And I'm now I'm looking for a hole. Like I'm looking for a grip switch. I'm looking for because I'm I've gotten so used to standing in the guard and weathering the storm that I now can feel when there's like pressure, pressure. Oh, I don't have mobility here. I don't have balance like I like I feel like I should have. And then I I feel a switch of where they have less control than what they had before. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And that that little change. So it's usually it's usually a grip switch. It's usually maybe they go from pants to collar, and I feel that that little bit of uh, freedom and. That's when I'm immediately, I'm, I become that killer in the kitchen. It's like, I found the hole and now it's like, I let you play that guard for a little bit, you know, let you move me around, try to see what you could find. The moment I, that you got frustrated in your guard that you can't sweep me and you make a change in your guard, that's the time where my mindset changes. I'm like, no matter what, I'm passing this guy's guard. It's going to be hard, fast. You know, like, like I'm going to get in on his, I'm, I'm going to smash his legs together, or I'm going to get underneath both legs, or I'm going to, you know, X-pass. And if they, I get close to the X-pass, I'm going to punch through, go to the other side if I need to, just constant keep pressure until I can get to a position where I can not rest, like we said, pressure pass. To a, to a place where I'm, I'm in a dominant, almost passing position and then slowly break through and then just cross face the crap out of them, you know? <laughs> and people don't want to like, you know, you know, I was doing MMA before jujitsu and I think, you know, like in a lot of it, people just like, they just don't get used to the violence of the sport as well. Everybody can say like, there's like, oh, well, you know, like there's technical and there's submission. But like like you said, until you have like a D one wrestler on you, until you have somebody who can really pressure pass, that feels like assault. <laughs> you know <laughs> that that feels like they're whooping your ass, and that's what it should feel like. You know because you're you're you've decided to play this guard, and I have to get past it in order for me to number one get points, and number two be in dominant positions to submit you. You know, and so I, I really became in love with passing because. That was something that really related to me to something like mixed martial arts where I'm on the cage and I'm trying to pull the guy down, you know, ground a pound a little bit, guy comes back up, you know, it's like that kind of, it has the same kind of mentality and not a lot of guys can do it on top. Not a lot of guys can deal with it on bottom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, definitely. Something that you've been touching on here, which was a sort of a breakthrough revelation for me when it came to guard passing was understanding that there are different phases of the passing process. I used to think when I started off that passing was just like a thing you did and there were just techniques that you did. Like I'm going right. to do a knee cut pass or I'm going to do a stack pass, but I didn't think of the process of passing in phases. And I had a big breakthrough realization one day when I was sparring with my, my instructor and like you were talking about, he's a, like a spider guard guy, which I agree is just the fucking worst. <laughs> I, I hate getting stuck in spider guard yeah. and I, I just couldn't get past a spider guard. It just wasn't happening. And he he stopped and he explained to me and he gave me this lesson, which stuck with me to this day. And he said, like, look, Steve, there's three steps to passing the guard. Number one, you have to disentangle. Right. Number two, you have to establish control. And then number three, you have to pass. 
you can't actually skip those steps. If you try to pass before you've disentangled, and this is usually where people go totally sideways when they're stuck in like a spider guard, is the the other guys got them all tied up and they're trying to pass. You can't do that shit. You've got to get disentangled and you've got to take dominant grips. It's not even worth trying to pass the guard until you've established dominant control of the grips. If you have, if you're on top and someone is got you all tied up and you try to pass, it's like guaranteed that you're going to get swept. You have to deal with that first. And that kind of aligns with what you were talking about earlier, about how you practice just hanging out in the guard and just making right. sure that the guy was never able to get those grips on you. That's so important to to passing well. And the other problem that I've found is if you try to skip steps, you wind up actually just burning tons of energy and tiring yourself out from the top. A lot. Because, yeah, because yeah, you're not going to get anywhere, right? If you are not establishing control and you're not winning the grip fight and your goal is to try to basically just run fast around your opponent's guard <laughs> or to try to brute force your way through it, what right. winds up happening is not only do you burn all of your energy, but you leave yourself open for submissions. Yeah. And that's the... In my opinion, that is the reason why it's so easy to tap a white belt from the bottom is because right. you get them tied up. You've got the dominant grips and they're desperately trying to pass and run to the side while you're controlling them. Right. And it's pretty much guaranteed that they're going to fall into a sweep or a submission if you do that, because they're not breaking the grips and establishing control first. Yeah. And I like what you said, where it was like, well, there's passes are like techniques, like either you're going to knee slice or you're going to get double under. And with jujitsu, especially with passing, it's a lot of intuition. So it's, there's intuition on bottom a, a lot of times, but with it's not exactly a technique, but there's a number of concepts or mechanical details that you're exploiting to get around to, so you can get to a, let's say like a named pass, like something that, that has a name to it. But most of it's like, me, first of all, killing that lasso, killing the hooks, and then all of a sudden feeling where there's, where there's a lack of a hook, where there's lack of, where there's a lack of control and, and exploiting that in a mechanical way. So I need to find in a mechanical way what I can pin down and then where his hips are going to rise. If I'm going to go underneath his hips, if I'm going to stretch his legs out, making his guard pretty much useless, am I going to, you know, and all these things are going to really also depend on my partner. The guard player is not just going to sit there and let me stretch him out and do things. He's going to react. And so I have to be aware of every reaction that he makes. He's given me an opportunity to move forward, right? Yeah. At at some angle somewhere. So whatever defense he's throwing in there, whatever movement he's making or grip he's trying to make to stop my passing, he is at the same time, giving me an opportunity to get closer to him or to succeed in my pass. And it's always why I tell my guys, like, like when we, when we're passing the guard and we get to a really dominant point of the guard is that you just don't slide your hips in. Like, so like if you get to, let's say you're in a knee slide pass, and your knees over their thigh and they're on their side. If you slide your knee just straight down, you allow them to in turn counter by hip escaping, Right. Yeah. If I have my knees there and I'm, and I start to try to flatten my opponent and my opponent tries to fight that by hip escaping, he moves a hole. He makes a hip escape backwards, makes a hole between my hips and his hips where I just fall in. Mm-hmm. Right. And so my opponent's counter reactions are going to give me a lot of my answers. So my, my passing 
always is going to change. And that's why like having a good number of passes is good to have, but always also knowing like, and playing these in certain, so I, I love this game. This is a game I, I'll, I'll play this game tonight with my students where you can do three steps. So it's like you do three moves and you make collar grip, a pan grip, and let's say a Delaheva grip. Then I make three, three moves. I clear the Delaheva, I break the collar, and I put my knee down in, into a passing position. And, and if you do it in, and we call it threes. So each person gets three movements, right? And then you can kind of, like, if people stink at jujitsu, they get way out there. They don't know what, where they end up. <laughs> it, but it's good. It just shows you how little you know about jujitsu. And it kind of gets funky with, with the higher belts too. But at some point you start to see the, the first choice that's so like, you're almost in a knee slide. The first choice that your opponent makes is the first choice that you have to make. It's the first thing you have to stop when you're actually passing in live time. You can't just knee slide pass and not expect for them to have a counter. And so that's why a lot of guys, you see like a guard pass, a turtle and a back take, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's like, you have to get really, really good at passing the guard, but you also have to get really good at taking the back. Yes. So you can't, because they're not, some people are just not going to accept you holding them in side control. They're going to turtle and you better start following. And so it just pulls your, your jiu-jitsu together to do. But if you can force yourself into situations where you are like constantly in this fight or in this passing situation with somebody. So that's why I always say like, like I know they say like somebody who keeps passing your guard, they're a pass hole, you know? Uh, <laughs> I've never heard that and, before, but I think I'm going to have to start using it. Yeah. And, and like, you'll just have like, so if you're going with like, let's say you're brown and you're going with a, a blue or a new purple and, and they give, they have a good enough guard where they understand how, you know, they understand a guard well enough to def- keep it, defend it and also attack from it. And you just put yourself there. Once you pass it, you go back. You know, and then all of a sudden that you pass it again, you go back. You know, and they call it a pass hole because I guess like you're <laughs> all you're doing is getting reps in on your passing. Mm-hmm. But it's really important to be able to see the reactions that you're going to get with different passes and different, you know, like cause people are different, but the intuition, the body, and that's something that that's that's really important that people don't understand. It's like you have to feel it in your body. You can't, I can't explain to everybody, like, this is how it feels to me. You know, like, it feels like this, so I made this movement here. You know, it's that I, no, I noticed that there's a hole. I noticed that there's a lack of control somewhere. And I noticed that there's a freedom of my hips or my shoulders. And I can make a step, a large step, and they have to react to that. So I make a large back step. They turn in to me. I can either commit to the back step or I can come back over and go into a smash pass, you know, and, and fold their legs together. All this is done by me, by my intuition of, of seeing what they're going to give me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because I can't go into a match and go like, I'm going to X-pass this guy. You know, like yes. that's what I'm going to do. You can't on in the guard a lot of times. So a lot of times in the guard, guys are like, I'm just going to bear and bowl this dude. And it works. But in passing, there's no one technique that's going to pass every guy in that division's guard. Yeah, this is a mistake that I made when I was early on in my journey. I I and I think probably most people do this is they they are in someone's guard and they have it in their head, I want to do a knee cut pass right now. 
and they're like hellbent on getting that knee cut pass done and they just keep trying yeah but they're not really considering things like is there even an opening here for a knee cut pass? Is this even the right time to do such a pass? And so they, they keep running into a wall because they can't get it. And so then usually where the mind goes from there is, okay, well, maybe I need a grab bag of passes. Maybe I need like three passes I'm really good at. And if his legs here, I do pass A. If his legs here, I do pass B. If his legs here, I do pass C. And that seems to make sense. But that's not really a great strategy either, because now you're just trying to memorize techniques in your mind. And, right. you know, there's there's always going to be new situations and new positions that you just couldn't have foreseen. And so trying to memorize an answer to every single situation that could come up is just going to overwhelm you. And so now where I sit is, look, I just want to have some very simple concepts in my head. Like, right. don't let this fucker grip me. <laughs> You know, if, yeah. if he is dealing with grips, immediately counter the grips. When I am sitting in someone's guard, I'm not even thinking about what pass I want to do. And this is a, different from what I would have expected when I was a white belt. I assumed when I was a right. white belt that like if you were a brown or a black belt, you could call your shot like someone playing pool, you know, like eight ball in the corner pocket. I assumed you could just be like, I will knee cut past you right now. And I'm so good. You can't yeah. stop me. But in reality, what I find now is as a black belt, I'm not thinking about which pass I want to do at all. I'm thinking about, I've got to make sure I always have the dominant grips and I have to make sure that I establish control. And however I do that, that's my focus. If I can do those things, a pass will materialize based on how my opponent moves their body. They're either going to, you know, if they lift their legs up, maybe I can stack them. If they turn to their side, maybe I can knee cut them. But it's it's situational. And for me... 100%. Yeah, the most important thing for me is I just want to have control at all times and whatever pass happens, it happens, but I'm not going to be like so myopic and tunnel vision about it (laughs) that I, I am like losing good opportunities because I have it in my mind that I must do a knee cut. So that's what I'm, I'm trying to avoid. Right. You won't be successful that way. It's just, there's no way to be successful. Like you said, with having a pass in mind because things change so quickly. You know, like the pass changes immediately once somebody changes their hips, you know, like knee cuts there, up, oh, they change their hips. You know, now there's a next pass there and going into the guard. That's why I think what really helped me, which was just staying in the guard forever, you know, just being like, I'm going to have to live here and eat this and hate it, you know, <laughs> and it, it gives you that. Well, I don't know what I'm going to do. I'm not thinking of anything. I'm just going off of what my opponent's doing and I'm killing their strongest layer first. I'm taking that away. So if anybody ever puts Delaheva on me, I'm usually stripping the the I'm not pushing the leg on my on my far leg. I'm doing the Delaheva hook, pushing that down so there's no bare and bolo. You know? Mm-hmm. Like so and that's pretty much just copying whatever Leandro Lowe does. So if you watch a guy like Leandro Lowe, he's the perfect example of of a killer in the kitchen. He he's gonna push something down He's going to make a movement forward. He's going to constantly give the guard the guard player these big question marks that are going to be, be popping up in their head like, oh, is he going this way? Is he going that way? And then he's so good at taking advantage of, of the mistake or the hole in the situation and just finding his way in there. And then if he, if he doesn't find his way in there easily, he's a dog. He's in your face. He's, he's stretching you out. He's putting pressure on you. You know, he's... I mean, just watching Leandro pass 
and then watching a guy like I mean, so there's like three of the greatest passers, I think. So I would always go with Leandro Lowe, who I think has a kind of like a rough and tumble way of passing, killer in the kitchen. Then you, then you get kind of more of a, a techie guy, but but still a killer in Lepre. And then I know like Faria is up there. I haven't watched Faria in a long time. You know, maybe it's just because his division didn't interest me as much. But a, a guy like Mauricio Andre. Mm-hmm. And those guys all have somewhat different attitudes while passing but when it's time to pass they're the same person when there's when there's an opportunity to pass they are they become almost like you could almost line all their bodies up if it was the same position and they would all be doing the same thing at the same pace with the same amount of effort you know yeah 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 because that's just a trained guard passer it's like like you know they're they're doing maybe different setups different breaks giving different reads to your to your opponent like oh, maybe I'm going this way, maybe I'm I'm concerned with this. Some guys, you know, they don't even they don't even kill the lasso. You know, they're 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 trying to smash so hard that you try to extend out, and that kills the lasso itself. So you, you break your own lasso by extending too far out on it. Mm-hmm. And when I teach passing, a good thing when I, with one of my students who came to me was like, you know, I, I almost got there. You know, I I don't understand what happened. You know, he almost passed the guard. He, he almost three times. He almost passed the guard. And I'm like, well, as soon as you got past, that guy immediately put frames, right? So we got, we already know he's framing us away from the side that he believes we're passing to, whether we are or not. And then number two, he's getting his legs involved. So something as simple as pummeling your hand through their legs, right? Like where their legs are split, almost like a, like a scissor, right? And punching your shoulder down onto their hip, that's going to allow you to control the hips. So now we're working from the, from controlling the hips and not being controlled inside the, inside the legs. We're now looking at controlling the upper body. And that's always good. So like, you know, controlling the head is always number one, right? So if we can control the head, great, but you're not going to be able to get there with frames. So you're going to have to fight after you, after you make sure that the hips are stuck and flush to the ground. You're going to have to make sure that your other hand is going to do the work and it's going to grab the collar. And you're going to pull that collar in tight to you so that that guy can't extend himself away. Then your job is to flatten him out and then create an opening space for yourself. And it's like you were doing beautiful with a very high level pass, but you were, you were getting stuck at the part where it's the finish. It's like the, the very final layer, which is the, the pressure bass, but not recognizing it and having it, the intuition to be like, oh, this is what it is. He's a guard player. And that's just, I'm like, that's from you not passing. That That's what it is. You just didn't have the recognition. It's the same guys that when you see like at white belt or blue belt that, that don't know why they're not, something's not working because they just haven't been there enough. You know, and they don't understand like, well, everything's still, still good for you. Yes. This guy put in a, a good obstruction to, to you getting the pass, but man, did he leave a few holes open for you to exploit? And it's time to, it's time to go to work now, you know? And a lot of guys give up. They just go back. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And this is a kind of a, a problem that I've seen, too, where people get stuck at the last mile. You know, they, yeah. they're in the process of passing the guard and their opponent just puts up a massive fight at the end. They There's a lot of big hit movement and the person on top doing the pass just can't get the finalizing control that they want. And you alluded to this earlier that 
when you are in the process of passing the guard, you have to understand that as you are trying to control and pass, your opponent is going to be doing everything in their power to make sure that you can't do that. They are going to be doing things like big hip movements to, to hip out, or they're going to grand be away, or they're going to turtle or something. And you need to have a willingness to go through that sequence and not some, sometimes you have to go right through the guard pass. If right. your opponent, for example, is really, really, really trying to make sure that you can't complete the pass and they're hipping out like crazy and they've got their frames up with their arms. One of the things that I do sometimes is I don't try to pass just into side control, but I'll try to pass and slingshot right around to north south right, or, yeah, e- so or even yeah. side control on the other side. And similarly, like you said, if your opponent is turtling away, you have to be ready to have a sequence that goes right from the pass attempt into a, an attempted back take because it is very, very possible that a good scrambly opponent is going to put up a massive fight <laughs> as you try yeah. to finalize that pass. And if you're trying to just insist on going to side control, you might be losing out on some actual real good opportunities to move forward to north-south, to the back. So that's an important thing to understand, too, is that sometimes the guard pass doesn't end in side control, but it is better for you to sequence right through to something else, depending on how your opponent is responding to you. I think, yeah, exactly. Knowing that this person, at all measures, is not going to allow you to pass easily. He's he, he's not going to give up side control. He's not going to give up and go back flat. And the knowing the battle that you're in, if it's competition, it's even more so knowing that your heart is pumping, knowing that your arms are burning, everything, you know, that you're, that you're going, cause you just, it's taking you maybe 45 seconds to pass the guard. Let's like say like that's a, it's a fast guard pass, right? And, you know, a little bit, he had played guard for a little bit, but it took you 45 seconds, but the, but 30 seconds of it was like a lot of work. And now you're going to have to hold this person down for at least seven seconds. And I know seven seconds doesn't seem like a lot, but with somebody who has that insane, that insane adrenaline dump and it's like does not want to give you the points, you at the same time have to have be working with an adrenaline dump to follow him to the back or to go to the north south or to switch sides and keep up with him, not losing the control because you are also going through an adrenaline dump. You know, you're also going through like you're, you're seeing the goal line, you know, and it's really difficult to teach people like, well, you can't, you can drill it, but you can't really drill it until, until you're, you're actually passing people's guards that are good. Yeah. And so you'll never become really a good guard passer until you're passing people or at least giving people problems who have a very good guard. Yeah. There's just so many variables when it comes to passing the guard. The person on the bottom has I mean, if you were to ask me to describe why the guard is effective, I would say it's because you as the person on the bottom get to use all of your weapons. You get to synchronize and coordinate your arms and your legs and sometimes even your head. So you're kind of like a puppet there. You know, you're you're moving all of these all of these limbs independently. And as the person on the top doing the pass, it can be very disconcerting because you've got all of these weapons coming at you at all times. And you have to be like cognizant of where they all are or else you're going to wind up getting caught in a lasso or something. And it just it takes some practice as the person on top to be able to do what you want while being aware that you've got four limbs from the person on the bottom coming at you at all times. Right. And that makes it very, very hard 
to establish control because there's just so much cognitive stimuli coming at you at the same time, right? And you can't control what your opponent is going to do with all of their arms and their legs. Once you complete the pass, now you can control what they're doing because you're pinning them somehow. But in the process of getting to the pass, you have to somehow achieve what you want while defending yourself from these four weapons that are attacking you at the same time. And it's just, it's a lot of variables to control in your head at the same time. And I think that is why people often struggle with guard passing. I mean, you can have a even a white belt who can be pretty competent at holding a person in side control. I mean, si- side control is the bane of white belts. Right? Right, they have no yes. idea how to get stuck there. Once you get to a pinning predicament, it's a lot easier to hold that pin. But the process of getting there where you bypass all of those weapons, that takes a lot of finesse because you have to simultaneously execute your strategy while defending against a lot of things coming at you at the same time. And I think that's probably why you often don't see people develop really good guard passing until much later on in their journey, because it's just, it requires a level of seasoning and muscle memory to be able to manage like, okay, I want to do this while at the same time, I don't want to get lassoed and I don't want to get triangled and I don't want to get swept. It's just a lot of stuff to keep in your working memory at the same time. Yeah, it is. And that's why I, I really miss, like for me, for entertainment purposes, I really miss the super fights in the gi. Yes. And there being points. You know, I'm a, like, yeah, I don't like stalling and yeah, I don't like the 50-50 game and I don't like, you know, like people that are, that are trying to exploit the system. But I also really hate watching somebody get their guard passed because that's too much work to defend it. and. So it's submission only, you know, it's like, I, so like, I, and I'll see a sweep and I'm like, did that guy really get swept? Was he, was it really that good of a sweep or was this guy just like, okay, yeah, I'll play the bottom. Mm-hmm. And, and so you don't really get to see the guard passing or the, even the, the guard player sweeping, like you used to see it. You don't see it like that in, in gi or no gi, excuse me. Like in the gi, when you used to see like, Hey man, like. If this guy passes, I'm down three. Now I have to get my ass moving and I have to make this thing work. You know, it's like I have to get back. I have to get back in control. I understand it, but it, it takes a lot away from people, like at least an audience like me that really likes watching. And on the flip side, I love guard passing. I also love, you know, just beautiful guard guard sweeps, you know, and to watch those those two battle at a, at that impasse of I'm playing guard and I'm going to pass your guard and who's going to have what is, is really entertaining at a high level. And you just don't see it anymore. You just, you know, unless you're going to watch the worlds, but since the pandemic, you know, there hasn't been much like, you know, there hasn't been, there's been like what a pans, but there hasn't been really. And I, I don't know if you could put it like, sorry to anybody who won the pans or the worlds this year. But if you could put like an asterisk next to it, because people can't come into the country, mm-hmm. you know, like, so people can't even come into the country. Like, so guys that from Europe, from like, you know, like Levi Jones, like there's, there's a guy who just won the worlds and, and now we haven't seen him in a year and a half. And then there's, there's guys like, the, like Lanaker, Tommy Lanaker and, and certain people out in, in other countries or Brazil that are unable to make it to these competitions and in, in America because of the pandemic, it's it's like kind of made the at least watching the IBJJF finals or, or watching the IBJJF not as fun. 
because there wasn't so much of a stack division. Yeah, and they took away Copa Podio and they took away, you know, these some of these events that we were watching the Gi and it was really fun to watch. You know, but I guess that's that's it's all up to the consumer, you know. Yeah, yeah. Well, hey, let me ask you a question here. Do you feel that when you are passing in the gi versus no gi, do you feel that there are any really fundamental differences in that process? I mean, I kind of know what the answer is going to be, but I guess the the follow-up question is what would those differences be? So I I started jujitsu MMA, like so I kind of had to be made into a jujitsu player because I moved to Oregon and I got and I started fighting MMA and uh I would get taken down. Like they just had wrestlers there, you know, like whether they were college wrestlers or high school wrestlers here, I have nothing, you know, and they were taking me down and I had to learn to kind of play jujitsu, you know, so jujitsu just became my, my thing. They're going to take me down. So I got to triangle them. So I got really comfortable on my back, you know, learning how to submit people, learning how to, to, you know, sweep and, and do different things like that. Then I went, I ended up injuring my neck and I had to, basically quit any like real forms of competition for MMA and there were guys that could pass my guard right so like I would go against like ADCC like an ADCC medalist and I would have a scramble fest with them it's almost like I would if I'm trying to submit them quickly and going through a whole bunch of stuff it's almost like an insult you know and so immediately the match turns into Position to the position, you know, top position, bottom position. Everybody's just looking to get the submission at the end, you know. And and I could do well in those in those situations with I would say around my eight or nine year mark. But then there were certain guys that could pass my guard slowly, slowly pass it, then go to side control, and I get him back in half. They pass it again, and they would constantly beat me. And I was wondering, like, well, you know, like I can't get this guy. You know, like he's not—he's not destroying me. He's not submitting me, but he's like slowly just dismantling me round through round. And there were guys that were that were more fundamentally gi driven. And once I started playing with the gi, I realized, well, my whole idea of how I make grips is has changed. And so, like the different ways that I can get power or get strong grips or control was really dependent on how I learned it in the gi. Or how I, I found it in the gi where like a palm up grip or maybe, you know, like I, I'm, I'm, I have like a rock climber grip and I'm pushing with my palm. I would do the same thing to somebody's knee without the gi. You know, it's like I kind of learned using the gi in the beginning how to start manipulating the body. So I, I think a lot of the passing is, or at least the attempts are very similar in the way you grip. Because if I, if I need, if I need somebody's knee, if I need to hold somebody's knee to immobilize their hip, then I'm going to do that with or without the gi, no matter what. Otherwise, I'm never going to pass the guard. So I think it's it's very similar in the fact that you would use the same similar passing ideas. Like if I'm instead of grabbing the collar, I'm going to grab the shoulder, and then I'm going to look to cross face. They're all interchangeable, but then you take away everything and you go, okay, leg locks. <laughs> yeah. And, and so then you go, okay, now we're going to throw in honey hole, you know, and then. So things change drastically when, when you, especially for the guard passer and the person on top, when you're, when you start working on somebody who is inverting into a honey hole position, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And so it does switch. Like, I think that's the only thing that's really changed my way of figuring out 
what passes I'm using or, or what my intuition is. Normally, people can get underneath me. I don't want them underneath me because that means it's very hard to pass. But knowing that in Nogi, if somebody gets underneath me, it could be the end of the night right away. Yeah. I would say, though, that and this is just my style personally, I try to adopt the same mindset there in both gi and no gi, which is to when I am passing, I never want the guy in the bottom to get some sort of dominant control of my leg. It is just due to the rule set. It's much more dangerous in no gi because there's a whole leg entanglement thing you have right. to worry about that's much deeper. But even in the gi, if someone can get a hold of your leg and get under you, it opens up single leg X guard and all sorts of other things that I still don't want people to do to me. <laughs> so so normally the way that I play passing now is I try to hunker down really low. And my general goal is I never want my opponent to be able to get control of my knee. If they can, mm-hmm. if they grab my ankle in a lot of cases, as long as I can base and put weight on the foot, I, right. it's not the end of the world. But if they're able to get control of my knee joint, then they can start getting into entanglements and they can start getting into stuff like that. Yeah. When I'm playing guard, one thing that is consistent is regardless of whether it is, uh, if I'm on the top, regardless of whether we're talking gi or no gi, I always base down quite low. I don't like to be standing too far upright because it makes it way too easy for homie to get underneath me and spin under my legs. And then I'm, you know, I'm like a freaking AT-AT robot in Star Wars where they like, you know, spin up and tie up your legs and then you yes. fall over and yeah, it's yeah, just yeah. no good. The one other thing I would add is a pretty significant difference is in no gi, if your opponent touches you, it's not always the end of the world. Sometimes they like if they grab your wrist, right? Whatever. But in the gi, any time they use their hands to touch you, it has to be taken seriously as a threat because they can grab onto the fabric and that can change the game completely, right? They can right. grab your sleeve, they can grab your pants, even grips that seem like they're pretty innocuous can turn out to be a big problem. Whereas in no gi, it's not so much the same. I mean, if my opponent grabs my wrist, for example, right. it's not always a big deal. But in the gi, if they grab my sleeve, I know it's going to be a fight. So you have this kind of like defensive threat that you always have to be aware of when you're trying to pass, which is if this guy puts his hands on any part of my body at any time, I need to assume that this is going to be an issue. Whereas in Nogi, you can sometimes shrug that off because without the, without the fabric control, some of those grips are just not as useful as they would be in the Gi. Yeah. I mean, like, so like I've had like different surgeries that have affected uh, like the strength of my hands and stuff. So it's kind of funny, like like I'm right-handed, but on my left side, if I grab around the wrist, and man, I got, I'm not gonna let go of that wrist without the gi. You know what I mean? Like yeah. I, I do that kind of like the like the middle finger C grip, and I just follow them. You know, like I'm not I'm not stopping them from moving. I'm just not gonna let it go over that wrist. Yeah, and it's funny. I, I've been with certain guys, at least in nogi. One was like a three-time Samba World Champion, and this was when I was fighting MMA. And man, his like. I'm not a big guy. I'm a big guy because I grew up, but I'm not a big guy muscle, like, you know, muscle skeleton wise. Mm -hmm. And his hand just wrapped around my entire wrist two times. Yeah. I have, I have had that happen. And that is, that is an attribute that, 
you you can't I don't think you can train you either have it or you don't I've got an MMA fighter I train with I mean I'm not I'm not that tall but I, I train with this guy who is a lot bigger than me he's a black belt and he's got huge hands and yeah when he if I grab your wrist you will be able to get out of it pretty easy right. I don't have I don't have really big hands and I don't have really strong hands but this guy like fuck if he grabs your wrist his hands are so big that he can all encompass your wrist and play that control as if it were a gi grip which is something I could never do like I can't grab your wrist and, and achieve the same power that I could if I was using your sleeve. But there are monsters out there who can do that. And it's it's always disconcerting if you've never had it happen to you before when someone grabs you and you realize, whoa, this, this is some pretty strong no-gi grip control considering the guy is just grabbing my wrist or just grabbing my ankle or something. Well, you think of the same thing. I mean, like the same grip strength that deals with like, you know, like when, when you get ankle locked, you know, like, like a straight ankle. And then when a monster tries to straight ankle you. Yeah. And yeah. it's like, it's like, like, I don't feel like the ankle's in danger. I feel like my shin's going to snap. You know, it's like a change in who you're going against. If you're going against a guy like, you know, any one of these large guys, I'll just name him out like Tex Johnson, you know, somebody like him, he grabs, grabs you in an ankle lock, man, he might split your, your shin in half. Yeah, you know, like dude, the, it's not going to be the ankle that goes. It's it's going to be your shin, and it's like guys like that that have this that amazing squeezing power and are, are able to get the angle to to snap a human shin with their upper body just is terrifying. <laughs> Tell me about it. Well, let me ask you a tie up question here. Sure. We've covered quite a bit in terms of guard passing strategy. Any big takeaways or or actionable? insights that you recommend everyone put into their game right away things that maybe you you always find yourself telling your students things that common mistakes that people make just closing thoughts and good advice that we could give to the listeners before we tie this up sure i think always knowing what your opponent needs and taking that away from them anytime your opponent needs something like makes a grip or makes a grip on your on, on your ankle he needs that to complete something once you take that away from him you are basically mechanically disassembling your your opponent's guard. So if people are stuck and, and they don't know where to go from like just the beginning, like I don't know how to pass guard at all. I don't know how to like I don't know how, what I'm doing on top. Whatever grip that person makes, make sure that you take that grip away or you take that angle away. Or if he needs an overhook, take that overhook away. It's really and then once you start to understand that, then start having a system of, of passes that you're going to try to use and say like, okay, for the Delahiva, I'm going to use the knee slice pass. I'm going to use the X pass. I'm going to use a long step on one direction. And then you have a set of something on the other direction. And you're going to fail a bunch of times because you're going to choose the wrong one a lot. But it's going to heighten your intuition by forcing yourself to constantly be in that passing position and noticing what they're doing as a defense. So noticing whether they're throwing a lasso in as a defense, noticing whether they're they're going to do tilt you overhead so that they can re reapply the delahiva, or whether they're going to go into a reverse delahiva situation. And and kind of understanding that, like like that's gonna kind of show you the road of what you're gonna be dealing with all of jujitsu and you coming up with 
ways of taking away what does a person need in, in reverse tail heave? Well, he needs that strong hook and he needs a control of my our, my wrist, so I, my posture. And and once you get rid of that, it's like, okay, well, what's available for me here? And finding what's available in drillable fashion. I also like to use, you know, I have this as a poster on my wall. Not a poster. It's I'm a grown up. It's a <laughs> <laughs> it's a uh, it's an inspirational, motivational piece of art. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm a I'm an adult, so I don't get to say posters anymore. But it's it's a Marshawn Lynch quote, you know. And he said, you know, once you do it to him, you got to do it to him over and over and over and over again. You know, and he's like talking about like getting in somebody's face, smashing them. So like, you know, this is from like a, an interview with like 60 minutes. And then the guy's like, do you think there's like a, a deeper philosophy to this? And he goes, run through a motherfucker face. You're not going to have to deal with him no more. <laughs> and, and that's always been in the top of my head. So like for people in, that are trying to pass the guard, run through a motherfucker face, you know, and that's it. <laughs> and if you have that, that concept and that confidence and that idea that they're not going to want that. Mm-hmm. They're not going to want you going, keep knocking at the door over and over and over again. You just keep coming at them over and over again. You're going to break them, you know? And, and, and so it applies to football with Marshawn Lynch, but you know, being, being somebody who's hitting blockers or being a running back who's lower, he's like running his, his head through like six linebackers it translates over into a lot of things, which is like, hey, you have to be the most persistent, the hardest working, and you have to be the most confident. And that's going to take you far because you can't be like, oh, well, I don't know this. And like the, the thing I can't stand to see is, is the guy gets stuck back in closed guard, you know, like, and, and they're losing, like you're losing, you're losing on points and you're almost passing the guard, but then you, you accept kind of like, I'm not going to pass the guard and the person wraps their legs around you. Yeah. That's, uh, you know, that's just me as a coach. I, I'm, I, I almost have to like turn away and walk off for like a good 10 seconds because I know they're not going anywhere. <laughs> you know, like I, I know that that's where they're going to be 10 seconds later when I come back and take a breath. I'm not screaming at them. You know, like, don't go back to the close. Don't, we don't need that. And all of a sudden it's back to close. I'm like, oh, Christ. Okay. Let's walk away for a moment. Let's, <laughs> let's resettle ourselves. You can, we can still win this. You know, it's, it's one of those things I think that having a, a wrestler's mentality or something, a mentality like, like a football player like Marshawn Lynch, when you're, when you learn certain passes are going to be super important because you have to understand that you are not going to be able to just highlight pass everybody or X pass long step somebody. And that's the end of the day. No, you have a long day ahead of you. And in order to be good at this, you're going to have to deal with the suck. You're going to deal with, with everything. But if you have the mentality that you are the predator, that you are the attacker, right? Rather than like, oh, I hope I pass the guard. It's like, like, no, you have to switch it up in your mind. You have to become mindful that, no, you're the killer in this, in this scenario. You're the killer in the kitchen. And it's like, you've already started the process of murder. You have to complete it because if this guy gets away, he's going to say to everybody, hey, this guy tried to murder me. You know, so like like once you decide to pass the guard, you got to complete the guard pass. you got to embrace the chase and whatever, get hit in the head with a toaster iron, toaster, you know, and forks thrown at you. Well, I decided I'm going to pull out a knife and try to kill him. I got to kill him. You're the, mur- <laughs> you know, you're the murderer or you're the guard passer. Make that in your head and make sure that you know who you are in that instance. 
Man, that's a, that's a great point. I, I love what you're saying, too, about thinking about what your opponent needs and denying them the ability to get it. Because I think when people are trying to pass the guard, they're so focused on what they want to do that they're not thinking about what their opponent is trying to do. And right. really the most important thing in a lot of ways is never letting your opponent get what they want. My philosophy a lot of the time to guard passing is I don't even want to go into the person's guard. I want to be initiating and ideally completing the pass before they've even locked up a, a, the guard that they want, right? If I actually get sucked into their guard, now I got to break their guard and I got to get out. And it's like you said, you're already kind of in a losing battle if you get entangled in someone's right. guard. So so my preference is deny them whatever grips or control they want so that they never even get into their happy place. And then I'm always on, on the offense. So I would add this to the game of yours. Go into the spot. Let them have the grips. Let them have everything they want. Then break the guard and pass it. It gives you an insane amount of confidence. If you can do that with people that are good and you can break their grips. It's like So let's say I let somebody have a spider guard. They have the lasso, they have the, they have the sleeve. And I'm like, all right, we go. And I have to ride this out. I ride this out for a good two minutes before I feel them make a grip switch or they make a change in their hips or there's a, there's something that falters in their guard. And then I have to start passing. Yeah. And it's like, okay, now I'm in this pass because man, that really realistically, that's what I did for so long. And that's what made me have this Marshawn Lynch kind of attitude and, and a predator kind of attitude is that. You've been in it so long that you have a confidence that you're not going to get swept and you're not going to get submitted here. Yeah, you forced yourself into the worst case scenario so that you could get comfortable there so that ideally in a perfect world, you just blitz right past that because you have so much confidence from having done it before. Right. It's, it's the complete Bane kind of quote. You know, I was <laughs> raised uh, I was raised in the darkness, you know, <laughs> you know, like you, you immediately adopted it. You know, it's one of those kind of things where it's like, no, you put yourself through that that shitty grind of of being in people's guards and you have you step into somebody's guard and you have this like this confidence that i've seen a lot you know i've seen most guards i've seen and i've played with a lot of good players let's see what you got and as soon as you start moving because sometimes it's really hard to like what you're saying is like man it takes a lot of skill to be to to not get tangled up in a in another black belt's guard you know what i mean like especially these featherweights or these lightweight guys who like grab two hands on your collar and then like scoot their butt. They pull their butt up into <laughs> yeah. the air and basically they're like hanging off of you, you know, like, because you're like, you're like, I don't know how tall you, how big you are, but I'm 200 pounds. You know, I'm 190 when I'm not fat and like a, a smaller guys, I, I would rather compete in up a weight class in my bracket than go down and fight lightweights in my bracket just because of how annoying and how heavy they yes. are because they don't understand that a lot of guard passers they're not just like holding you off with a spider guard they're pulling and they're holding and you're holding their weight up you know so like they're like hanging off of you which is extremely tiring to your upper body because you're having to keep posture and your legs which are just burning burning up you know, it's like it's like one of those situations where, like, man, if you had to put me in a division, I would never choose to go to like one of those light or medium weight classes, just because, man, it's so much harder to pass their guard than it is to pass somebody else's who's a bigger dude who's just who's not going to use that kind of that yeah. kind of guard passing. But like you said, like you know, it takes a lot of skill to to avert everything. 
you know, like, because good players just, they, they find one, one piece of clothing on you, you know, like one, one grip on your collar, one ankle, and all of a sudden they're in, you know what I mean? And you like, I like what you said. And Keenan, Keenan Cornelius said that as well. That was like one of the things that he, he said that he doesn't let anybody get anywhere, any grips or anything on him. He tries to pass with, without them ever making a guard. So yeah, that's, you're in good company with that aspect, but I feel like that's kind of like, in a way that's running away from the problem, if that makes sense. Yeah, I know what you're saying. It's a paradox, right? Because on one hand, if you're playing your A game and things are going the way that you want, you never want your opponent to get that grip on you. Right. But if we're being realistic, it will inevitably happen. And you also can't get good at preventing those grips unless you train the worst case scenario so to actually get to the point where you can play that way, you have to spend a lot of time in the snake pit fighting against people who already have those grips, getting out of them. That's what gives you the confidence. Uh, Preet Mikkelsen talks about similar stuff, too, about how people think he's all about defense all the time, but he's not really. What he says is you need to learn defense because it gives you the confidence to go on offense all the time. You can't, and the Danaher guys say the same thing, right? You yeah. cannot be the 100% offensive player always dictating the pace. You cannot do that unless right. you have perfect confidence in your defense already. Yeah, that's really that's a really good statement. Yeah. It doesn't beat Marshawn Lynch's quote. No. But. <laughs> there's, some, there's something eloquent and beautiful about the way that he phrased it. <laughs> yes. Dude, if you've never seen it, just for anybody listening, if you've never seen it, just type in Marshawn Lynch motherfucker quote, and he's talking to a guy in a suit. You know, <laughs> on 60 Minutes, and he gives them this this perfect gym of a analogy for how, how to do your job. So I, I suggest everybody get that. If you ever want to become a good guard passer, take that as a quote into your mentality and be like, yeah, I'm that dude. I'm that guy. I'm that guy that you don't want to see coming at you, you know, splitting through your guard. Awesome. Well, Maliki, with that said, if people want to see more of your stuff, if they want to follow you on social, how do they go about doing that? Where can people find you? So they can find me on Instagram. I'm at Maliki Friedman. So hopefully you'll put my name in there because otherwise I have to spell it. You'll put my name on the link will be in the show notes for everybody <laughs> okay, cool and malikyfriedman.com is where i have a lot of my dvds and then also you know like i'm on btj fanatics i'm trying to do youtube i'm trying to do a lot there's a whole bunch of stuff i'm trying to do i wish i had more time <laughs> more time to the film and do stuff and cool stuff like this but i own an academy so i'm i'm always juggling you know, like money, money, or, you know, <laughs> or, or, or things that make me happy, you know, or things that, things I enjoy. So, yeah, I, I can relate as, as this podcast and the platform we've built right. has gotten bigger. I got the same problem where I find that my limited time either has to be spent talking about jujitsu or actually doing jujitsu, which is right. a dilemma I never thought I would find myself in. <laughs> Yeah, people don't understand. Like, you're like, oh man, I got to film this. I got to do this. It's like, oh, I also have to teach. And I also have to make sure the gym's still running. It's good. It's good. I, I would have never expected my life to be like this and good like this. So, never, I couldn't ask for more. Awesome. But uh, yeah, they can find me on Instagram. I'll message people back. They got questions. I'm always dropping like content stuff that I film in my class. And I always get like, I always get one or two haters and I love that kind of stuff because it like gets revs me up. I can talk to <laughs> I can talk to some judo guy who thinks like, well, that's not a real judo pin. And I'm like, yeah, I'm okay. 
<laughs> I'm like I've never gone with a real judoka before. <laughs> you know, it's like you know, it, internet haters is something that I I was not ready for, and I don't think anyone can really be ready for it. It's such a weird thing because ever since this podcast started, yeah, it's don't go to Reddit. Oh God, I, go to, I, like, I went to Reddit one time, one time. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and I'm telling you, I got, I got basically like, it's good techniques on there. Like I, I posted something that was a good technique on there. Like, you know what? I'll try to get, spread my wings out there a little bit. And Reddit is, a, is like, you ain't ready. For, I'm not ready for Reddit. I'm not, one, I don't want to be in Reddit anymore. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I, I have had very, very well-known elite level, famous competitor black belts basically tell me like, I do all of my work on Instagram and I will not touch Reddit with a 10 foot pole. Now I actually do go on Reddit, but it is a dragon's den on there. Like there are some malicious, nasty people on there. And they're just blue belts. Just some, some blue belt will call (laughs) me out and I'll be like, dude, like I I consider myself very good in understanding jujitsu. You know, and of course there's people out there that I ascertain to be, you know, be better than or be as good as, but You'll have to some guy was like who's a blue belt. It's like, yeah, doubt that works. You don't have the cross face. And you're like, <laughs> you're like, oh my god, dude, are you serious? Like, like I think I understand the position enough that you know, like I, I wouldn't post this if there was any question in my mind. Yeah, you know, like, like I would have to be a big time moron to post it if there was a question in my mind that this that there was an issue with this technique. Yeah, man, uh, it is, it is definitely a cesspool there. It's, it's an interesting community, but it's, it's not a place that I would suggest you go to unless you have, you're really willing to deal with a lot of unnecessary negativity sometimes. And, you, and the thing is, is that they, you, they expect you to answer them back. Yes. And it always makes things worse if you do. It always makes things worse if you feed the trolls. You're always better off not answering those, those negative messages. It's so crazy because like, I, I'm like, I just don't have the energy for this, guys. I've been talking <laughs> to you guys for 35 minutes about a technique that's, that's pretty solid and I'm having to explain myself on the internet. I don't know what else to do for you. <laughs> yeah, I can totally relate. Well, there you go, listeners. If you want Malachi, best place to find him is Instagram and his website. Unlikely you'll find him on Reddit. You might find me there, but yeah, man, <laughs> I, I don't blame anyone for avoiding that snake pit. Uh, but anyway, if, if anyone wants to find us. Of course, our website is bjjmentalmodels.com. That's the best place to get access to really the whole episode history. There's over 150 now episodes of this thing. If you want to hear a lot of jujitsu talk, that's where to go. And, and we also have a database of all of the concepts that we talk about on the show. If you need a reference for that kind of thing, we also have our awesome premium site, premium.bjjmentalmodels.com. In addition to being the thing that floats this whole endeavor, that's also where you get access to a lot of cool premium courseware content and direct coaching from myself and other people in the community. It's an awesome deal. There's a free trial. So please do consider checking it out. Premium.bjjmentalmodels.com is where you go. Malachi, thanks again for swinging by, man. I really do appreciate this. Fantastic chat. Thank you so much, man. It's a pleasure. And of course, to the listeners, thank you guys and girls too. Always appreciate the time you spend here with us each week. And we'll talk to you guys next time.